fear the talking queers. Hey, bitch. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, ready to take on this episode. How Woo! about you? Yes, I have plenty of notes. So I hope oh, that we serve it. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one, this one's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, pretty. It's going to be a pretty different one for us, especially considering the fact that we um have usually like a lighter campier fare of movies that we pick yeah and this one is definitely dark definitely complex um yeah i love how when we get like deeper darker movies we're like ah this is gonna be so hard (laughs) yeah we get so nervous i'm like oh my god people are gonna (laughs) this is when we have to like prove our smarts (laughs) oh my god yeah i wish you an ounce of luck Well, I have a a few things to say about (laughs) the brain in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Dr. Frankie. (laughs) Call me a psychologist. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, Where'd you get your degree from? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hello. The School of Life. The school, yes, the school of life and experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Do you have any like weird theater stories or like you know something that correlates with our movie this week? Um. Yeah. This movie definitely de- deals with a lot of like backstage politics and things like that right. that I, that people don't usually see when it comes to theater. <laughs> And um, right. I'm trying to think of like something that happened that you're just like, this is crazy that like, we're just here to put on a show. Why has it become this? Um, I'm oh, tra- you know- I have one. Oh yeah. Tell I me, tell one. me. Yeah. Okay. So there was a girl, I, sh- I won't name, name names, but we'll call her Nina because we're doing Black Swan, obviously. Oh my God. Let's, <laughs> she was let's confuse a them. Nina type, <laughs> Nina type character. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. We'll call her Natalie Portman. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so Natalie um, she was very uptight and was very rigid and like wanted to hit all the notes right, wanted to get everything perfect and wanted always to get the female lead in any production that we did. She always wanted the female lead and she usually never got it. She was always like the supporting role or something. And I remember in one case in particular, she was the girl that would like cover her mouth in her one ear so that she could only hear herself. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she was so focused on being perfect and great, and she wanted to get the lead in Footloose. I'll just say it because I doubt she'll listen to this. Um, <laughs> Everybody cut Footloose. She, she lost the role to a girl who didn't even try. I think she was just there so that her she could get out of trouble. And so it's very <laughs> similar to she probation one. No, she just, you know, she got in trouble during production for smoking cigarettes and this and that. Oh, my God. So, like, yeah. So, I think she was just there so that her this mom is like high, this is her, like, like school. This is, like, theater that we did in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is high school this level is youth theater. theater. Everybody was between the ages of <laughs> nine and 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, she got in trouble for that. And 
Um, so she, I think her mom really just put her in there so that she could just keep her out of trouble and give her something to do. And she's the one that ended up getting the leave. And I remember the cast list was posted and the girl broke, Natalie, she broke out in tears over not getting the role. And she couldn't believe that she lost it to um, the cigarette smoker. Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. And I was like, we were all kind of like, grow up, you know, <laughs> like this is, it's a fucking youth theater. <laughs> I know. Sometimes you forget though. You like, it's like, it becomes the most important thing in your life. It's like a validation thing. You know, you're like, uh, I, I love, especially when people, with, when people love it so much, but yeah. they struggle to, um, excel in it. That's really tough. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like, oh. It's and it's all it's tough to like watch it happen too because you're like you you even if you like this person if you like believe in them and you're just like ah oh, there's just something about I don't know if you, they're just not up to par and to see them struggle is so hard. <laughs> I know. I remember one boy came up to me and asked me what I was doing to get the parts that I got because he wanted, he always, so he says, always wanted the parts that I got. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I suck a little dick, smoke a little crack. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) I'm literally not trying. (laughs) I'm just here because it's fun. (laughs) um, I'm getting the roles and you're not. But it might also have something to do with the fact that I'm not tone deaf. I can't teach you how to. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. He's older than me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, record yourself and listen back. Right. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Seriously. Um, I'm trying to think of like what. I mean, as an adult, I mean, I obviously I've been involved in theater, much, you know, way out of youth theater. Like it's become my career path. Technically, I've I've worked professionally as as an actor and a singer for um for years now. And uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I think like some of the weird things I've have have always been like backstage, like like dressing room stuff. Like a lot of times it's fine, but sometimes it gets weird. Especially like <laughs> this is dumb, but I, what comes to my mind is uh, like Secret Santa is something I don't I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy Secret Santas because per- because personally I'm not. I'm not a good gift giver in general. Like it's not a t- again. It's a, one of these like talents that I don't possess. Like I don't okay. know. Like some people are so good at like yeah. finding things, and I don't yes. know. And I think it sometimes it, it, when it's a cast and it's a small group, and you're like all together in the same dress- dressing rooms, and you see people next to you receiving things, and maybe you're not receiving things that are as good or as you know as quickly. Some people, you know give things immediately and they just give a lot a lot a lot and other people have different plans i don't know so i think it it causes like unnecessary drama and i've been involved in some of this drama that's why you have to limit it to like okay secret santa the limit is 25 dollars. right exactly yeah (laughs) seriously but people don't ever follow that and it just creates a mess and um, I'm not about it, and so yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of a weird <laughs> one. I can think of yeah, like I've never been in a screaming match with somebody, especially a grown adult, while I'm wearing a reindeer costume. <laughs> <laughs> Was this during Rudolph? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you interpret that because you know you never know who's oh, listening, my- but. Um, uh, yeah, oh, crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. It's just you know, <laughs> just 
I don't know. Yeah, people get so I don't know. What about like this the the relationships that would always conjure up? Oh my from... god, like showmances. Yes. Ugh, what a joke. <laughs> it always seemed like the the two leads were always like, you know, at oh, some course. point romantically involved. And right. It's like, oh, for what? Right. And I feel like I saw you see the two rom- like leads. Um, romantically involved when you're younger because usually the lead male hasn't come out of the closet yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true because most of our leading males in our cast were they turned out all to be gay. Exactly, exactly. I was I was part of that too. But when I did Greece, my girlfriend at the time was Sandy. Like, and I was Danny. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? It's just like, but obviously that didn't pan out. But I don't know. I think showmances are so uh, they just don't ever work. I've never seen one really work out. I mean, maybe no. there's always exceptions to the rule, but I constantly. Um, find myself just like laughing at it because there's like a false sense of reality in a cast because you're in a bubble of people that you're working with every day for a certain amount of time and that is that is eventually going to end and everybody is going to go on go their separate ways you know you're all going to go on to different projects so this little family unit that you have gets really close really fast and you're and there's just the thing about performers where everybody gets all up in each other's business and then they're okay with things super oh physical God. and everybody's like laying all over. It's just like a thing with yeah. the, with actors and cast that happens. Not especially all, I mean, in especially in youth theater. Do you remember youth theater? Because it was like it was like oh. the core people that like you know there would kind of be these revolving people around the right. core group sure. of like the cast because like I'm sure your city had the same thing where it was like familiar faces yes. every season oh after yes season after absolutely season. And, and also and it's, those that's people like people just had so much drama and relationships oh and this for and that. sure it's but like, also oh that was like peak puberty you know hormones yeah. were crazy rampant during that time and so yeah. you know of course, these horny teenagers are going to be, you know, causing problems yeah. left and right with each other. So that makes sense. But once it's you get to an said... adult and it gets messy, it's just like, oh, God. this. Oh, is no, 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 no. I know. But it happens. Oh, and we saw that in full swing during Rent. I mean, there was just so much <laughs> drama. Oh, yeah, drama. People like crying. Oh, uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've had people come to my hotel rooms on tour and just crying about and it's always oh. like, and the and you know what? I, I think, old, like as girls got older, I think they became privy to the fact that other performers aren't their uh, their main targets. That it's actually like the tech crew for the girls because they're like, oh, this is where the um the straight men are, <laughs> like right doing the the flies and all that yes shit. yeah yeah the, the carpenters and or you know whatever who like right building all that shit <laughs> yeah i built sets i'm i'm the straight guy in theater so that's where all the girls flock to now but yeah i've had people on tour just come into my room crying about this person that i don't know it's just yeah and i mean mm-hmm. and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't but it's just such an such a I just think it's it just lives in a sense of false reality because this little bubble of a time yeah. that all these people have together is eventually going to end unless you're like in some yeah 
you know, in a long-running Broadway show. But even then, everybody has contracts. And, you know, this is yeah, it's not forever. Get traded you know, out. And most, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Tours and contracts and regional theaters. You perform. You rehearse for you know a couple weeks and then you have about four you know three to four weekends of performances and then you go on to the next thing that's just how regional theater works and yeah that's and, super and fast. once and once that happens and everybody goes back to their own lives and or they go on to new projects with new people it's like that's when shit falls apart because they're like oh wait this is not this wasn't real like this is something i created because it felt good in the moment and um doesn't have much longevity because right. we're not seeing each other every day. We're not pretending like, you, you know, we're not in this bonding experience of being in theater where you're like. Yeah, everything changes once the, the final, during, after the final curtain call, it's like, that's oh, it. Yeah. You it's don't like, worry about any of those people again. Remember how right. much, in, yeah. I remember in Rent, I thought I was going to be best friends with some of, you know, those people forever. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, totally. I have a tendency to, I know, luckily, like, like there's, like, here's the thing. I have a tendency to find one or two people per show that I do that I really okay. connect with and that I keep my relationship going. I'm not, you know, because it's too much. It's too much to try to maintain relationships with every single Ugh. person that you're in a show with. And eventually, yeah. you know, and, and if you're lucky, you'll work with some of them again. You'll be ca- you'll be like, oh, this is my second, third, fourth show with this person. But sometimes you're never going to see these people again. So I, I kind of tend to cling on to one or two people, mostly just one girl. I'm going to be honest in the cast who I, <laughs> I become, <laughs> who I become, you know, besties with. And, right. um, you know, and those are the people whose relationships I've carried out, you know, throughout you know, that have stand the test of time. Time um, after time. <laughs> time after time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like, that's weird. Um, have you ever had any, like, strange, like, director experiences? Oh, uh, my God. Yes. One just stood out to me as soon as you said that. Um, well, two. I actually have two stories. One of them was Peter Pan. <laughs> and everybody oh, my was, God. At this point, I think the oldest person was 14 years old. Um but, you know, those were really well done productions. But, I mean, to what extent are you trying to perfect this show, you know? So, I remember our director did some sort of... He thought he was important because I think he did some sort of off-Broadway Titanic musical one time. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what his problem was, but it, it was it was a Lost Boys rehearsal and we were doing something. And... Um, He got so mad that he picked up a chair and slammed it on the ground. Like the the choreographer from Bring It On. Like it was that bad. And everybody, people started, kids started crying. (laughs) I was like, oh Oh, my God, this is a psycho. And then I remember one time, I don't know who the director was, but we were doing Pinocchio and it was my second show ever. I think I was like 10 years old and I got (laughs) cast as... um, the evil puppet master in our show I think his name was Mastroni and Minestroni and that sounds delicious we spent an entire rehearsal like three hours trying to get a villainous laugh I was like can we move on I don't even know my lines and I'm over here trying to get this laugh perfected he's like do it more like this from here from here and he's like pressing on my stomach and I'm like (laughs) like I don't know what do you want me to do I'm 10 (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a fucking professional actor. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, 
time management. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, we can come mm-hmm. back to this later. Let's lay down the groundwork first and then yeah. go back and we can really... I mean, that's hard. That's what I find hard about, like, like doing, like, regional theater shows that are, like, only a couple weeks. It's like, there's such an expectation for you to come in and having it down. And yeah. I've, and I... and I Just so you can learn the blocking. Right. And it's like, that's so tough because for me... When I'm like working on a character or something, I I I like to know what I'm doing first, and from there I can build and grow my character and interact, you know, with my with like, you know, whoever I'm working with, and I can um, I don't know build there. That's just my process, and I've oh, I've yeah. had some directors like who have like while I'm they're giving me blocking but then like are like yelling at me for not making a huge choice right in the moment but I'm like I I'm focused on like trying to figure out where I'm going and then I will do it and I of course I always come through but it's like I don't know it, it's so interesting like trying to work with other people's processes especially like direct yeah. and especially in something that is so you know we only have a certain amount of time to put this whole thing up and there is such a great expectation for you to come in having it down and that's kind of a crazy expectation to have like you know that's just like right you know. because you have to build the chemistry with the people around right, you, have to, you and yeah. you can't come in with that right exactly and so i mean i guess you can only come in making huge choices right off the bat i had no power play i'm ugly oh my god i'm so scared oh my god what am i gonna do and and you have to be prepared to um fall flat or make a fool of yourself and not judge yourself and um you know that's sort of a tough thing to kind of, you know, grasp at first. But you, it's just the the nature of the beast. You ha- you can't. There's no there's no being small at first because obviously there's no time to be. So I don't know these are just yeah. weird things that I can think of from like theater experiences that I've that I've had. You yeah, know, especially as an adult. Politics. Yeah, backstage yeah, politics. Yeah, rehearsal, rehearsal room monster. politics and. Um, you know there's a lot that goes in like theater is wonderful it's so wonderful to see on stage it's magical whatever but there is a lot of work there's that goes into it there's a lot of you know tears and and um it, it's just tough yeah I don't know. Honestly, I've never wanted to pursue... I mean, of course, it was a lifelong dream of mine since I was in diapers that I wanted to be an actor. But once I got to, like, youth theater and then it came to the point where, should I pursue this? I was like, I don't want... Obviously, it wasn't going to be musicals were never in my future, but, like, acting and, you know, plays even. I'm like, you know what? The audition process is so, like, Like, I don't want to do it. Yeah, auditioning is fucking tough. That is my least favorite part. Brutal. That's my least favorite part because some people just do not naturally have a a good I mean, like a talent for auditioning auditioning is a whole different beast in itself like yeah. and, and it's and it's more than just what you do in the like as far as like what you're bringing in like oh this is my 16 bar cut of a song or this is my uh, monologue it's so much more than that because yeah. there's so much pressure on and I, this is what I've learned in college and doing this professionally is that it's not just about that. It's about the second you walk in the room and the, and you know how you walk in the room, how you greet them, how you go over yes. to the, to the people at the piano. And you know, there's a whole sort of um, checklist of things you have at to you do as soon as you yeah. walk in. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you walk in, which fucking sucks. Cause it's like, I'm a human being 
and I'm gonna be myself, but I have to I have to be playing a part for you to be like I have to be fake, but I also have to be real to you. Like I have yeah. I have to be like fitting in your box, and I don't know. It's so crazy, and it yeah. it sucks. I hate auditioning, and it <laughs> and if I can never audition again, like I would love. Of course, this will never happen, but I, would, I, I like envy those actors that just get offered things and never don't have to audition anymore. Like, yeah, it's like, like that. Sure. That's yeah. the fucking dream. Like, and yeah, and it's to be honest, it's one of the things that's sort of kept me in some of my my uh, projects, like you know, like the cruise ship thing or the or the theme park thing, because it's like, okay, oh. great, I, I did I did the hard part. And you know now That's I can now I can just create or I can I get to perform and do that and where it's like and yeah. some and some people do enjoy the audition process like they like doing it I personally don't and yeah it's if like I, they like like people that like to compete yeah are, exactly think, are, exactly yeah. and I'm um I, I guess I'm just not like that I don't like no. I don't like going in having to do more than just the work on the whatever I'm presenting them. Like if I could just go really need to do to get the part. Right. Exactly. If I went in and just sang the song and performed it and nailed it, it's one thing, but the fact that it's just so much more than that is so disheartening and it's such a, it sucks. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I've never even, I mean, I've never auditioned for anything as an adult besides rent, which was, I hated that fucking process too, but I've never auditioned for a play. So that probably would be like a little bit different than a musical, but I, just remember the anxiety because I was never confident in my singing voice or my dance abilities or anything and I always pulled it off but I just I hated just feeling that discomfort I'm like ugh I'm like, can't I just get one of these parts, like, yeah. and not have to can like just hand it to sing me? different songs for different characters over and over and over? I'm like, I don't want to do that, and like, I fucking yeah. hate uh, callbacks. Where I think were the oh. only part that seemed fun to me, because at that sure. point I'm like, okay, I'm getting a lead. Yeah, well, callbacks are and callbacks as an adult are are just a whole different set of sets of pressure you know and because uh, you're like because yeah. in your yeah because is that compete- like an elevated anxiety yeah i think so because it's oh. like okay now i'm in consideration what do i need to do in order to uh, you know secure this part and at the end of the day like you have you just have to remember that you that you have to trust that the table and the directors and everybody they're looking for something specific and that it doesn't have to do with your talent and you can't take things like it personally when it doesn't work out and that's one thing that I've really learned as an adult in this industry is that you have to be forgiving of yourself and that even if you go in there and you are completely wrong for it or even if you fucking bomb it you know it has nothing to do with your talent level as it just and you don't if you don't get the part it has nothing to do with whether you're talented or not or if you should keep going it it, it's just you didn't fit in their box of what they needed like they're looking for something they want you to be good they want you to be good you and and that and that's one thing you have to sort of come to terms with that when you walk into an audition or a callback or something like they want you to do well they're not there to judge you and and tell you that you're that you're terrible like that's not their intention their intention is they they need they have a list of requirements they need and sometimes it comes down to this person is blonde this person is yeah tall 
and I need a shorter yeah. person. And so you have to go in there. You have to be able to go in, do your do your job. It's been it's an interview. It's all it yeah, is. It's a tra- it's a transaction. You go in there, and then once you're done, you you leave it. You have to leave it at the door, and you have to say, "This is now out of my hands." And I have to mm-hmm. keep going. What's next? I can't sit here and dwell on. Oh my God! I totally blew that. I I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna get this right. I'm never gonna get cast. I'm never. No, you can't think like that, or else you're you're completely standing in your own way. Yeah, you know, and that yeah. and that's something that is really hard for a lot of young people and young performers to to grasp because it becomes a to them it becomes a competition and it come it, it's a yeah. very personal because because your talent or your talent or sorry excuse me because it is very personal you know to to be, yes, to be so vulnerable you have to be very vulnerable yeah, yeah to be yeah, so yeah. vulnerable and exposed in front of people and to go yes. out there and try to you know be to, you know be truthful be who you are do the best of your talent and be so exposed and vulnerable it is personal but at the end of the day you have to think of it like a business and um yeah and uh, one time i asked one of my directors i said what I- Every time I get a lead, I always feel like it's the antagonist. And I just want to know why. Because at that point, that was like the third time that she had directed us. And she said, because, she said, honestly, it's because you look like you'd play the bad guy. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, well, I guess that's, I thought you were going to say it was like my singing voice or something like that. But oh no, it's because uh, I look like and that's And that's a whole nother discussion about types and typecasting and you know I've had so many misdirections from people that I trusted in college my professors who said that I was supposed to be that I will play this kind of role and I've gotten into the real world and have not played a single damn thing like they told me I was gonna play Oh no! And so yeah, so I don't know. There is a, I could we could talk about this for hours. We could we could have a whole separate podcast about yeah. just you know the theater experience. Um, but uh, the theater experience that would be great. Oh, honestly. totally, absolutely, and I'm, you know I'm sure there are plenty of those out there. But um, I don't know yeah. Every, everybody's got their own personal experience with it. I can only share yeah. mine, but um, that but the theater experience, the backstage experience what it means to be a performer is very relevant in this week's movie. Yes. So I have a question before we, you read the synopsis. I have a question for you. Okay. If the swan <laughs> was, I know was exactly split, where you're going. <laughs> really? If the swan was split into white swan or black swan what, and two different people, who, which one are you going to play? Um, I'm going to be the black swan. I don't care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck okay, wants to be well, the white swan? Nobody, but I think you would be a beautiful white swan. Thank you. That I really appreciate that. <laughs> I wouldn't even be any I wouldn't be either of the swans. I would be the evil like the monster that turns. Oh my god. Yeah. Rothbart. <laughs> that big the evil <laughs> yeah. sorcerer yeah. or whatever. <laughs> the evil owl sorcerer. <laughs> All oh right. Oh my god. Okay. Um, so let's get into a little synopsis of Black Swan. It's my turn. Black Swan, released in 2010, directed by Darren Aronofsky and written by Mark Heyman, John McLaughlin, and Andres Hines. Our film begins with a young ballet dancer named Nina in an Oscar-winning performance by Natalie Portman. 
having a dream of playing the role of the white swan in the ballet Swan Lake. In her dream, Nina struggles to escape the grasp of the villainous Rothbard before being transformed from a young woman to the swan. When she awakes, she is made breakfast by her mother Erica, played by Barbara Hershey, before the beginning of a new season at the New York Ballet Company Nina dances for. Nina shows signs of a small rash on her shoulder, but shrugs it off as nothing. At the ballet studio, the chorus dancers gossip about lead dancer Beth McIntyre, played by Winona Ryder, and her eminent retirement. We then meet Lily, played by Mila Kunis, a brand new dancer who has transferred to the company from San Francisco. Nina had previously spotted her on the train to rehearsal. Head of the ballet company, Thomas, played by Vincent Castle, prepares the dancers to begin work on Swan Lake. With Beth aging out of the company, the role of the Swan Queen is up for grabs, and Nina is up for consideration, along with other dancers Veronica and Lily. Beth is furious over her forced retirement, destroying her dressing room in the process. As auditions begin, the frail and meek Nina nails the audition as the White Swan. However, when she has to audition as the Black Swan, the evil twin of the White Swan played by the same dancer, her inability to let go and be uninhibited causes her to stumble, along with a loud interruption by Lily. On the way home, Nina has a strange hallucination of a young woman walking towards her who looks to be her doppelganger until the very last second. When Nina arrives at home, she breaks down over blowing her audition, blaming Lily for interrupting her. She plans on pulling aside Thomas and telling him she finished the combo. Erica assures her there's no need to lie and that she has high chances of playing one of the featured chorus roles. The next day, Nina puts on some lipstick and pulls Thomas into his office to ask for the part. Thomas tells Nina that she is not right for the Black Swan because of her obsession with perfection. When he attempts to rile her up with a kiss, Nina bites Thomas' lip and runs out of the office. Knowing Veronica has secured the role as the Swan Queen, she congratulated her before the list goes up. Looks like she spoke too soon, as Veronica accuses Nina of playing a sick joke. Nina has won the role of the Swan Queen. She escapes to the restroom stall to call her mother in excitement, only to exit the stall to find the word whore written in lipstick on the bathroom mirror. Nina returns home and finds her mother has bought a gigantic pink cake to congratulate her daughter. Nina tells Erica that her stomach is still in knots after the day, and Erica's demeanor quickly changes, threatening to throw away the cake in the garbage. Nina stops her in order to keep her mother happy and even tastes a bit of the icing off her mother's finger. Nina also notices the rash on her shoulder getting worse and bloody. Rehearsal begins for Swan Lake, and Nina dances the White Swan with ease, in which Thomas tells her he's not surprised and that her real challenge will be playing the Black Swan, insinuating she'll have to give more of that bite he saw the day before. Nina starts to notice Lily in rehearsal, and Tama tells Nina that Lily's effervescent nature is what Nina needs for the Black Swan. At a donor gala for the ballet company, Nina is announced as the new Swan Queen to the public as an upset Beth looks on. In the restroom, Nina has another hallucination of peeling skin off her finger and has her first personal encounter with Lily. When Nina is left alone, she is verbally harassed by Beth for stealing her role and is then saved by Thomas. At his apartment, Thomas asks Nina some very intimate questions about her sexual history and advises her to touch herself to start letting go. That evening, Erica discovers the rash on Nina's shoulder and insists she's scratching herself again and thinks the pressure is getting to her. 
The next morning in bed, she begins her homework assignment and is horrified to find her mother asleep on a chair next to her bed. At rehearsal the next day, news spreads that Beth has thrown herself in front of oncoming traffic and is now hospitalized. Nina visits her in the hospital and is horrified to see the damage done to Beth's body and runs out in terror. At home, Nina finds a piece of scrap wood and realizes she can use it to lock her mother out of her room. When Nina struggles at rehearsal, Tomah excuses the male dancers to have a one-on-one session. He begins to seduce Nina, kissing her and touching her sexually in an attempt to release her inhibitions. He leaves her hanging and a bit embarrassed. When Lily stops by to chat with crying Nina, she makes the mistake of bringing up Nina's obvious crush on Tomah, causing Nina to storm out of the studio. Later, while taking a bath, Nina revisits her homework from Tomah and is startled by a hallucination of dripping blood in the water and then the image of herself staring back at her. Rehearsal continues and Tomah punishes Nina for complaining to Lily by over-rehearsing her. Nina confronts Lily and essentially tells her to keep her name out of her mouth. At home, Erica expresses concern over Tomah's reputation and Nina quickly shuts her down and digs at her mother for never achieving a featured role when she was a ballet dancer. When Erica demands Nina show her her rash, they are interrupted by a knock at the door. It's in fact Lily who has come to make amends for talking to Tomah and offers to take Nina out for dinner. Erica protests, but a rebellious Nina decides to take her up on the offer, and they head out. Over dinner and drinks, the girls talk Tomah and Nina's crush on him. When Lily senses that Nina is feeling uptight, she offers her an ecstasy pill to help her relax. Nina doesn't think it's a good idea. When they meet two boys at the bar, Nina notices Lily's confidence and takes her up on the offer of the ecstasy. When it hits, Nina takes part in a night of debauchery, dancing at the club and hooking up with a stranger in the restroom. After coming to a bit, she decides to leave the club and Lily follows. In the cab on the way home, Lily makes a move on Nina, slipping her hand between Nina's legs. Upon returning home, the girls are confronted by an angry Erica, and Nina, still high, laughs as she tells her mom the vulgarities of the night. Erica slaps Nina, and the girls race off into Nina's room where she locks Erica out with a piece of wood from earlier. The girls begin to have a hot, sexually charged encounter. Nina begins to have visions of her skin looking like waves of bird skin and her own face on Lily's. When she awakes the next morning, Lily is nowhere to be found, and the wood piece is no longer blocking the door. Realizing she's late for rehearsal, she hurries out the door. When she arrives, she sees that Lily has stepped in to dance the Swan Queen in her absence. When she confronts Lily about their sexual encounter, Lily replies that she never went home with Nina at all. Nina continues to have hallucinations, specifically her delayed reflection in the mirror. At a costume fitting, Nina learns that Lily has been cast as her understudy, and she cries to Tama that it can't be her, and that she is after her part. As opening night approaches, Nina rehearses late at night alone in the studio. When the lights go out, she is horrified to find Tama and Lily in an aggressive sexual encounter. And then Tama transforms into a demonic version of Swan Lake's villain Rothbart, and Lily transforms into Nina. A scared Nina runs away, gathers some belongings she previously had stolen from Beth, and goes to the hospital to return them. Beth is now wheelchair-bound, and is surprised to find Nina has taken her things. Nina tells her that she knows how it feels to have someone be after her role, and that all she wanted was to be perfect like her. 
To which Beth replies by stabbing herself in the face repeatedly with a nail file. As she screams that she is nothing, her face is replaced with Nina's. When Nina flees to the elevator, she is shocked to find the nail file is actually in her hand, covered in blood. Nina is now in a full mental spiral, returning home to find terrifying visions of herself in the shadows, paintings coming to life, and her very concerned mother. When Erica attempts to help Nina, Nina smashes Erica's hand in her bedroom door and locks her out. Nina begins to undergo a physical transformation, plucking a black feather that is growing out of her skin. Her eyes become large and red, and her knees break backwards, causing her to fall and hit her head on a bedpost. When she awakes, Erica has broken down the door and is looking on at Nina concerned. It's opening night, and Nina rushes out of the house while verbally berating her mother about never leaving the ballet chorus, crushing her hurt hand and claiming that she is the Swan Queen. When she arrives at the theater, Lily is prepared to go on for Nina. Nina threatens Toma with a scandal, and after what happened to Beth, he agrees to let her perform. As she gets ready, she notices that her toes have now become webbed. As Nina takes the stage, everything seems to be going perfectly until she becomes distracted by the sight of Lily and starts seeing herself in the faces of the chorus dancers. And then she falls. Nina is devastated, but finishes the scene. Back in her dressing room, Nina finds Lily fully dressed as the black swan, ready to replace her on stage. When Lily gets up, she transforms into Nina and the two begin to fight. Nina smashes her doppelganger into the mirror and the black swan Nina begins to choke white swan Nina. When Nina's neck elongates into that of a swan's, she is able to stab her doppelganger in the stomach with a shard of glass, exclaiming, it's my turn. Just then, her vision clears and it is actually Lily that she has stabbed in the stomach and is now lying dead on her dressing room floor. Nina pulls her body into the restroom and prepares for her stage debut as the Black Swan. Nina's performances as the Black Swan is nothing short of perfection, finally embracing all the wild and dark elements the character requires. After a triumphant first dance, Nina walks the wings of the stage, feeling her body transforming into the swan. With her newfound confidence and a full set of wings, she receives a standing ovation from the crowd and passionately kisses Toma off stage. When she returns to her destroyed dressing room to change back into her white swan costume, she quickly covers a pool of Lily's blood with a towel. When there's a knock at the door, she is shocked to find that it is Lily coming to congratulate her on her performance. Nina steps back, moves the towel to find there is in fact no blood on the ground, and that she has actually stabbed herself in the stomach with a shard of glass from the mirror. Devastated but determined to finish the show, Nina sheds a tear as she finishes up her white swan makeup. As the finale rages on and Nina dances for her life, we get to the tragic conclusion of Swan Lake, with the white swan ready to jump to her death. Simultaneously, Nina begins to bleed from her stomach wound profusely. As she jumps off the ledge onto the mattress and the crowd goes wild, the company and Toma come to Nina to applaud her. They're horrified to see that Nina is bleeding out and they call for help. Toma asks her what happened and she weakly replies, I felt it. Perfect. I was perfect. Fade to white. The end. 
Ooh. Oh, so good. What a, what a crazy ending. What a crazy movie. That's true. What am I talking about? What a crazy ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to say the word crazy anymore. Okay. What a mentally sick <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, I mean, yeah, they're saying that's like, it's now an offensive term to say crazy, which is sucks because like, not sucks, but. Would, which would, would be a hard, which would be a hard thing for me because I feel like I use the word crazy to describe everything. Oh come on, we have to draw <laughs> the line somewhere. Honestly, I, I would say okay. Well, we'll get into it. I'll 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 elaborate more in my opinion of that when we get to right about about everything. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I have a question for you first. Okay. Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? I do not. No, I, um, I do. you know do. who you saw it with? Oh, it must have been you. Yes. <laughs> in theaters? Yes, we saw yeah, it yeah, in yeah. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, but I don't know when. <laughs> yeah, it was with me and, um, and Taylor. Oh, okay. I, and fuck, I don't remember do that. Remember, Were we in the city? Do you remember? No, we were in Fairfield. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it wasn't that time that we took a bunch of pictures in the city? No, I guess not. No, 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 no. We we uh we went and saw this movie and um Taylor's boyfriend uh he got us yes. a bunch of pop. Didn't he get us in for I think he got us in for free and and he got us a bunch popcorn. of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we saw. But that was my second time having seen it. I'd already seen it before. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so that was definitely my first, because I, I barely remember it, but I do remember that experience uh, with Mark. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have a little special yeah, connection special with this movie. movie. Yeah. Special edition. Yes. Um, so, but this movie is definitely, I would literally put this in my top 10 movies of all time. Yeah, this mo- this movie had like had like a profound effect on me. This was like one of the very first like mind fuck movies that I really really got like just enraptured by. Yeah, I was I was just like so obsessed with it. I thought it was mm-hmm. like the craziest movie I'd ever seen. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, not craziest. The you know whatever most psychologically thrilling. Yes, um. thrilling <laughs> film I'd ever seen. And um, yeah, I really yeah. loved that. This is one of the movies that really gets me thinking, and and every time I watch it, I find myself looking online to see a new interpretation of what it means. Yeah, um, and there are so many. There's so many, but but, the, but now that I've looked at it from like a few of the talking queers standpoint, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I really understood it, and I really knew where to go with it in my research afterward. Oh yeah, and I found so many parallels to my personal life <laughs> whoa which is scary oh my god is that <laughs> but, are you okay do you very... <laughs> talk to somebody <laughs> oh my god remember remember when i did black swan for our youtube <laughs> what oh you did do that yeah, i did for gay bay boys remember wow you did that's not that. even what i was talking about i was really talking about like you know mentality but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah i remember i <laughs> i was the black swan on youtube <laughs> wow congratulations uh, oh my god so did what you point... also win an oscar <laughs> yeah yeah a, a, a tubi 
This is a heavy roll after all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I, I think I did a, a great job. Uh, that's the, yeah. actually the video that I get the most compliments about, but I really wish it would just get taken down. <laughs> is it still <laughs> up? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Googles immediately. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so where should we start? I mean, I think we should just start with Natalie Portman, the swan queen herself. Yes, beautiful. Yes, so this is an incredibly strong performance from Natalie Portman. Probably, I mean, to this day, I mean, obviously this is her most celebrated performance, I would say. Yeah, and she is extremely, I mean, her talent is at the forefront in this role. I I honestly don't think I've seen a better performance from her. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And she is extremely skinny in this one, too. <laughs> oh, my God. When the when the um, massage therapist or the chiropractor or whatever goes under oh, her yeah. rib. Oh. oh, oh my God. She, like, touched her heart. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, I told Andre, I was like, is that even possible? Because he's a massage therapist. I was like, is that, can you do that to me? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I, my lung hurt. Seriously, that looks so painful. I think she had a spasm in her diaphragm. And uh, fun fact about that scene, that was real. That was a real physical, like, PT moment Natalie Portman was having. And they filmed it. Wow. Yeah, but she stayed in character for it. But that was an actual thing she was doing for herself. For her real body. Because she was in pain. Because this movie required her to push her body to the limits. You know, and for somebody who's not like a trained ballet dancer, like she had to transform herself. And, you know, this movie did make a lot of use of doubles and things for the for the right. for the dancing, of course. I mean, she's an actress. She's not a prima ballerina. That takes <laughs> so much. Wow. You know, I I know, it's shocking. But that takes so much of your life to get there. And so, yeah. um, but even still, like I, she you know, she definitely put in the work to make her body at least you know, represent. Pretend. Yeah. 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 You know, because um, ballet, when you watch it, it's so flowy and elegant and perfect. And then I really feel like this movie does a great job showing the dark side of ballet, you know, the athleticism and how physically demanding and grueling it is to be a ballerina. And just the injuries that are, are every day. Ballet dancers face injury constantly. I mean, you even see it in this film. Like, there's like, like toenails being ripped off, and, and you know, you know things like that. Like, and these are things that you know you're watching it. It's like this beautiful, um, elegant experience. But what dancers go through ain't no fucking joke. Yeah, okay. I can only imagine what their feet look like under those beautiful ballet slippers. Oh. Oh, mangled. Just mangled feet. Like hooves. <laughs> seriously, seriously. And it takes so much dedication. And, and like, it's just a crazy concept that they they work so hard for that to cause themselves injury. But because of the of their deep love of the art that they are willing to sacrifice their body for for art, for the audience, for, you know, people that love to see these beautiful productions come to life. Yeah, that's always one of the best things about artists in general is sacrificing themselves, putting themselves on display, being vulnerable and hurt just for the, you know, beauty of their craft. 
seriously. And I think that that's a huge theme in this is like, you know, your crafts taking over and like, and pushing you to these extreme stressful limits that, you know, and, and you know, our poor Nina, our, our, uh, our little hero in this movie is really struggling because she, from, I think from my perspective, you know, we're not really given too much about her backstory, but I think that she has always sort of been a little uh, mentally fragile. Yeah, you can you can put the pieces together, especially yeah. with her choice to be a ballerina. I mean, obviously her mom was a dancer before her, and that's kind of when where she got started. But yeah, um, a lot of it, like the repetition, like. Um, Mm -hmm. I even like in the behind the scenes stuff, they talk about, you know, you're achieving things that your body physically should not do. Right. uh, But you're pushing past that to get as close to perfection as possible. Um, And a lot of that is rehearsal repetition, um, which plays a lot into that sort of mental ill. One of Nina's mental illnesses, which I believe is OCD. And I think she gets it from her mom because obviously probably if you have a sibling or a relative that has OCD, you're most, you're more likely to catch on to those little rituals and rhythmic ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and like, I want to like preface this, like obviously Frankie and I are not mental health experts. I want us to be clear that we, you know, we're coming from this from just a, from a outsider's perspective. So take anything we we say about mental health with a grain of salt, please. With a grain of salt, please. But you know, I actually did, one of the reasons why I said that this is a personal uh, thing to me is because I have done a lot of research on OCD and schizophrenia because um, those are two things that, well, schizophrenia runs in my family like crazy. Like I, to the point where I almost thought I had it when I was younger because of crazy things that I would do. But, um, but OC, but actually, it was OCD is why right. I thought I had schizophrenia because I used to have like the craziest ways of going about things, which I see in this movie. Um, the obsession with symmetry and having everything perfect and yeah. doing something over and over again. So you know, like doing well doing something well so many times and then you really feel like you have it like okay I did it once good I can just do it again and then it doesn't it wasn't good the second time so now you have to start over and that kind of you know yeah. like I don't of even course. know what it is. it's OCD but you know yeah. it's like ugh. right and I think that Nina she when she goes to these things like I think you know obviously she's not equi- like equipped to handle this much stress and you know she she gets this huge huge opportunity and also uh, just like which comes along with a shit ton of pressure like to be the prima ballerina in you know at the whatever new york ballet company that she dances for is a huge deal yeah and um and she i think she did want it so badly and once she gets it she she becomes obsessed with trying so hard to be perfect that it really it it's to her detriment and you know and at the end of the day probably letting go and being more wild and what would have been maybe not a solution but it seems like it she was never able to completely attain it until the very end right it was too then it was too late (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think a lot of the pressure too is coming from her mother because it seems like she's constantly reminding nina that the reason she couldn't 
you know, fulfill her prophecy of being a prima ballerina is because she got pregnant with Nina. And so she kind right. of is living vicariously through her. She's putting a lot of pressure on her to be uh, something that she never was and could not be. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, that pressure. And you really see the OCD in her mother, too, just really just, you know constantly putting this pressure on wanting everything to be perfect and when even when that that scene where she buys the cake to congratulate Nina and he's like no 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 I can't and she's like fine it's it, you know it's worthless yeah. I'll just throw it away it's like god yeah she, I mean you know? that the relationship between Nina and her mother is like a whole like that is a crazy ah, I keep saying that word um, <laughs> is a whole um, psychologically just, thrilling yes <laughs> <laughs> It's just its own. It's its own story within this. Um, it's just. I I have a lot of questions as far as like what yeah. what is their relationship, and I um, I'm like I know she obviously um, infantilizes her a lot. She's like constantly keeping her in this like childlike state, um, and I kind of wrestle back and forth whether I think that she is sort of this villainous character that we are told by our narrator who would be Nina in this case or is she really just there to protect her daughter knowing that she probably has problem like has you know suffered yeah. from issues in the past and that in order for you know her only way to protect her daughter from the outside world is to keep her you know is to keep a strong like attachment to her and a strong hold on her yeah, I think that obviously her mother has a lot of issues and a lot of resentment, yeah. probably. But totally. I think that, yeah, she totally is just trying to protect her. And I think that she really cracks down when Nina gets cast as the Swan Queen because I don't think she really thought she was going to get that part. But when she does, I think that's when she really cracks down because she has probably seen in the past the pressure that something like this has on Nina and the effects that it has on her right. psyche. Right, and you totally see that she. I there's like one moment where she, uh, when Nina comes home and she thinks that she's like blown it and she's like in bed and her mom's like, oh, uh, maybe this time she's like maybe you'll get to dance the the paracatra again or maybe you'll be a big swan. <laughs> like she like had all, she already had these like canned responses that she was ready to give her, knowing that Nina probably wasn't going to achieve this part because. You know, part of being the Swan Queen means that you have to be both the White Swan and the Black Swan. And I don't think she thought Nina would ever be able to play the Black Swan. Right, right. Nor does anyone else in this movie, obviously. No, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and uh, but um, it's almost like a because of her psychosis, um, mm. sh- they sort of recognize something in her that that could possibly play the black swan. Yeah. So that, which is so interesting because it's like, you know, she, she's not like the black swan isn't technically evil. She's just more, I don't know, uninhibited and darker and more wild. And, um, isn't she evil though? Because she's the daughter of the, the, the demon that has put the spell on them. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, then I guess maybe she is evil. I think, yeah, her intention is to trick the prince. I think they disguise her. I don't even think that's the twin or whatever. I think they disguise her as the white swan to get the prince. 
right? And so I don't know. I so I guess maybe they do equate like you know her like psychosis with like showing signs of being able to play an evil character. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So and like uh, back to her mom, you know, there's also a lot of competition between them, which I which I didn't really realize until um, like um watching it more recently i was like wow i was like there's a lot of there are a lot of moments where they're challenging each other or especially nina sort of treats her mom as the has-been and especially when she gets the swan queen she's like well now i'm the fucking swan queen and you're the one who never <laughs> left the core you right know? and um i think that's a really cool dynamic that was written in and it's really it's probably really truthful i mean i've seen um stage moms that are you know are are living vicariously through their children yes but it's like but they're still not able to give it up themselves like this idea that they were once some shit and um you know and and so that's a very real thing yeah and i think that as because she's cast as the role and she's really coming into her own thinking that she is that you know the shit and her mom is a a washed up you know has been who's only ever gotten this kind of role you know i think that that really um kind of takes her from being this innocent girl like you know she's still very like young and innocent because of her mom has kept her that way but now this is kind of almost like she's a late bloomer and her getting cast as a swan queen is kind of like when she hits puberty and the hormones start going all over the place and uh, you start having an attitude with your parents and that kind of rebellious nature that comes out of you at that point I, totally. I think that it kind of, you know, plays into that, even though I think Nina's supposed to be 28 years old, but, you know. Right, yeah. But obviously she's been very sheltered because she can't sustain her own life because of, you know, her psychosis. Yeah, totally. And um, I, I I think that leads to, like, a really um, interesting interpretation of this film, that it's about uh, your, like, the ascent into womanhood, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that, it, like, it's less, li- like... Like that's like a less literal interpretation of it, I would say. Like the literal tr- interpretation is that this girl is has mentally snapped and then you know whatever. But like to see it as like an allegory for becoming a woman makes sense. It's like she's like kept as a child and she gets you know she, and then she like you said she sort of goes to this like rebellious stage and that by the end when she becomes the artist and she's. Um, reached that perfection she's now become a woman and one of the, i watched a really interesting interview with natalie portman where when um what she said when that final moment when she has like the blood all over her stomach and she's laying on the mattress um she went up to darren aronofsky and was like hey they, they got some blood on my tights and he's like that was intentional because it's supposed to like represent almost like menstrual blood as if she's as if she's now like now at this point like she's fully become a woman yeah you know like 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 becoming the the black swan helped bring her out of this like childlike state that she was in um and and really helped her propel herself into full-on womanhood yeah the sad part is that she's obviously struggling, as we said, with psychosis. Right, of course. I think more specifically, I think what she's suffering from is what runs in my family, which is schizophrenia with paranoia, formerly referred to as paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, because 
I researched it a lot and everything's there the hallucinations the paranoia um, and then obviously it gets magnified or intensified by a thousand after the drug use which again I've seen in my own family it's like you have these underlying conditions but then as soon as you bring like drugs into the mix that's when it because after she's you know laced with drugs by Lily she really goes extreme with her delusions and her hallucinations that's when the the, like the descent happens you know this like full on spiral happens and it's almost like you're like trying hard to keep up because everywhere she turns there's something happening you know then a new and and it kind of went back to what I said before about that we have a bit of a an unreliable narrator in Nina it, because we, right. because it, because it is being told from her perspective, but her perspective is so it, it's, it's not clear what is real and what isn't. It, and yeah, so it, as an audience member, you're watching this and you're like, what, like, is this real? Is what we are being shown real to her? She believes it's all real. There's yes. no doubt that Nina believes it's all real. Of course. But for us as an audience who are looking, we're like, we're seeing this from her, from her perspective, but then we're also like tricked several times into like, oh, this is not at all what was presented to me. Like things are yeah. different. Specifically like the, the moment where she goes to, uh, to return Beth, played by Winona Ryder's um, oh. be- belongings that she stole. Yes. And, you know, Beth's just been hit by a car and, and she's like sort of mourning the loss of her body you know in this in this hospital yeah and nina comes and she's like giving back her stuff and she's like i don't like i get i understand now what it means to be for, to be to have so much pressure on you she's like thinking she's like i get it like i understand she's returning all this stuff and then um beth kind of comes back with a you she's like where she grabs uh, the nail file and she starts stabbing herself in the face. Yeah, and, you, know, you know we assume that she's dead or whatever. And then, <laughs> we, then, then um, Nina runs into the elevator, and then almost immediately we see that Nina is actually holding the bloody nail file, and it's like, what? It's just like a. Wait, yeah. You're like, wait, wait, wait. I have to second guess everything that I just saw. Yeah, like, did she stab her? Or... Yeah, is she, and we and we never come back to Beth, so we're like. I don't know. Is she dead? Is she not? Did Nina stab her? Is she imagining the the thing in her hand or is she imagining what, you know, it's just the things like that. And then also that would, um, the scene, the whole sort of final confrontation, actually the whole existence of the character of Lily. Mm -hmm. So Lily, you know, played by Mila Kunis is supposed to represent the sort the black swan, you know. Yes. She is the she's the, the effer- anti Nina. Yeah, she's the effervescent, uninhibited, kind of wild girl. Yeah. Um, she does ballet class with her hair down, which I'm like, bitch, when <laughs> when would that happen? <laughs> I, I love when they show that scene and she's just sort of like, you know, flouncing around. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, and her hands. Oh my god. Any ballet dancer would barf if they saw her hands. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and so she she represents that and throughout the movie you start realizing that Nina's interactions with her might not all have been real 
right that that there are several moments where you're like oh uh, i don't think that girl was actually in this scene or or yeah you know, i they, don't think she was actually eating her out no i mean that's the thing <laughs> that scene is right that you know obviously we, that doesn't happen yeah right I, exactly i i think that we start to realize that again once she pops that molly it's like totally she's gone to a point of no return where she's seeing things that it's not just um a controllable in, in you know or you're not you can't just sit there in the mirror and be like okay you're just tripping now it's right. like to the point where you really think this is real and right. um and lily uh is not in that scene, you know, where she's getting eaten. Obviously, she's probably just fingering herself and and all of that. But there, but yeah. there are. But it's almost like she's playing out both roles, because then when she wakes up in the morning, the pole is has been moved and the door, right. you know, is not unblocked. Yeah. You know, so you kind of it does make you question it. But I, I, I think that Nina is just in her head playing out yeah. the role of both. Nina and Lily. Right. And one of the most interesting things that I saw was that Natalie Portman said that she did a lot of the scenes as Lily. Like there was a lot, I mean, of course, a lot of it didn't make oh. it to the film, but she yeah. would literally film both scenes. So not only did Mila Kunis play Lily, Natalie Portman also played Lily a lot while filming this movie. Like walking but, down the hall and doing Yeah, the... but but also doing full-on dialogue scenes with each other. She, oh. would, she would play both parts, and then they would decide whether or not she was talking to herself or to Lily, and I don't know how much of that made it in, but... Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but even like down to like the sex scene, there's like moments where all of a sudden, yeah, like Lily is going down on on Nina, and then she her face comes up, and it's Nina's face, and so like now right. they had to do all these things as both, which interesting, which, which is such an interesting way to to film this character because it's almost as like not only this character is struggling with these like this idea of somebody stealing her personality while she's playing both of them. I don't know. I think it's it's yeah. so it's, it's so all, also a struggle of the actress having to play yeah. both roles and Dual really achieving roles. that yeah. duality yeah, yeah between innocence and evil and and right. okay so that brings us to the question of is Lily this carefree you know dancer or is she is she sketchy I mean I don't doubt that maybe that she had a few maybe questionable intentions as far as like drugging her the day before like tech rehearsal totally but i don't think that she is as involved in nina's life as we're led to believe right yeah obviously nina is villainizing her because uh because you know she's out for not really out for her role but that's just nina's paranoia but then it kind of does seem that maybe lily is out for her role because obviously she seems like an opportunist she's just moved from san francisco to be a part of this you know ensemble and um she does seem to sabotage Nina, I mean, but in a way that's, you know, because Molly, it does wear off after a couple of hours, but it's like she didn't know she maybe was schizophrenic and that drugs would make her like push her over the edge. Yeah. So maybe she doesn't do it intentionally, but you, you kind of do know that you're, you may be sabotaging someone who's never done this before if it's the night before their tech rehearsal. Right, the, exactly. You know, it's kind of like, okay, what are you yeah. really doing, Lily? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah, I can definitely see her having um, maybe, yeah, questionable motives, but I, yeah, she's definitely not 
she's not the villain that Nina creates because you know we have this no. final confrontation between Nina and Lily, where they have a physical fight and they smash each other against mirrors and everything. <laughs> And then we come to find out that that, again, was not real at all. That that was just, uh, you know, a, another, like, figment of Nina's imagination where she uh, is now. I would love you know, to see this outside of Nina's point of view, of her just smashing herself against literally, the mirror. I was, I was thinking that, too. Oh, my God. Just like, ah! And they're all... And then stabbing herself in the yeah, stomach. Yeah, and they're all, okay, five minutes to place it. <laughs> yeah. Do it from the perspective of the stage manager. Yeah, they like, like, oh, my God, this bitch is going nuts. She broke our mirror. She's just the stage. I think Nina puts a lot of focus on Lily, even before she's her alternate, um, because Toma. <laughs> yeah. Plant, plant oh, because Thomas plants the seed that that Lily's technique is perfect for the black swan, which is what Nina's trying so hard to achieve. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's when it clicks in her head. Like I should be watching her. Maybe she's out for my part. What do I yeah. do? You know? And that's kind of like, I think when the, when, totally. the, when she shifts to, to actually think, recognize Lily. Right. I do think it's so interesting though, that they kind of had that other character, Veronica and why, why they don't sort of, why, why Nina picked Lily and not Veronica when Veronica was literally the one who got cast in the role first. I know. You know what I think it is, is because I think that, um, I think because of Nina's underlying, you know, condition, she already kind of has paranoia. So at first she kind of does see it as Veronica. Cause remember when she kind of knows that Veronica's getting the part, she's yeah. just staring at her like you bitch, you know? Yeah. And then when it shifts and she's the swan queen, it's like, well, I'm the shit. I'm the shit. And then Tomas says, well, you know, Lily, really, she should be black swan. Like she, and that's kind of like where her uh, yeah, that's paranoia true. shifts. And because Veronica didn't win, she won. And I think that kind of battle is Ooh, over. That's, a, that's, yeah, absolutely. I can see that for sure. Yes. Yeah. I love that character though, Veronica. I wish she would have been more. When she was. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know why she said <laughs> I was like, why does she say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the character of Ver- I feel like every bad girl in a movie is named either Vanessa or Veronica. Something with a V. Something with a V. Like a, vi- <laughs> like a viper. <laughs> want a viper? <laughs> <laughs> you want some money? <laughs> um so uh let's talk a little bit about winona ryder in this movie uh, oh my as god Beth. so that's yes a, that's also a really interesting character um but sm- a small yeah. role but um effective but effective and also kind of meta which um, Darren Aronofsky actually said because he's like I purposely cast Winona because she was a huge star <gasps> you know oh. at this point in her career this was pre Stranger Things right to be well. noted and she she had sort of lost public interest a little bit you know and she respect and respect like she wasn't the star that we that she was huge in the in the early 90s and the you know late 80s early 90s 
And so um, to cast her as this role was a bit of meta casting that okay. she, she was sort of, she sort of represented that in her real life and then started playing, you know, played that in the movie as well. About this, you know, this aging ballerina who's, who is literally dealing with, you know, ageism in a performing arts medium, which is not uncommon. Right. You know, and especially uh, for women. Yeah. And also, what I thought was really interesting, what Darren Aronofsky said about the casting, was that he specifically cast everybody in the movie to look like Natalie Portman. That he specifically picked people that looked like Natalie. Okay, that kind of could, you know, resemble yes. in the shadows, resemble yes. her. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like that. That everybody is like everybody she sees would somehow look like her she or, could or, like, see trick herself her. yeah. in them yeah yeah I thought that was so interesting yeah they do kind of all Mila Winona Me, and yeah. Natalie kind of all kind of have the same sort of face shape yeah like totally yeah and I all, 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 all the, there's no blonde dancer they even said that Barbara Hershey changed the shape of her eyebrows to look like Natalie Portman's eyebrows oh my god this is super interesting I mean, isn't that so crazy because they wanted it to literally to really make it seem like she was seeing like herself and everybody like there was no escape from from this thing that was happening in her mind wow and it doesn't help that her mother is constantly painting pictures of her oh i know oh my god <laughs> and they're on that display is, all over the house <laughs> right that is so crazy like she also has this sort of she's like an obsession with nina and honestly and i don't know if this is like a controversial thing or if this but i'm like was she do you think that she was like molesting nina I know, I get a little bit of, like, a molesting vibe, especially with that scene when she demands that Nina takes off her shirt. Then she's all, take off your shirt, and, like, a little, you know, N- Nina's feeling a little more empowered as she, like, sort of goes down this black swan path that she's like, no, she, like, defies her. But, like, I don't know, there's, and then, like, there's some, and, like, how she, like, undresses her sometimes, and then, like, the cake scene where she, like, makes her her like lick the icing off of her finger i get a little bit of like an inappropriate vibe i don't know i like honestly i I haven't even looked this up i there might be a million things written about this there might be nothing but i mean to be honest it's not an unusual thought to have especially with that cake scene because every time i see that part i'm like i cringe it's cringy obviously this is supposed to make you cringe but is it because she sees her as like a little girl because you know there are some boundaries that you can't cross after a certain age of your child you know like you don't want to kiss your child on the lips after like a certain after you know maybe like yeah five sure <laughs> but um but you know it, i don't know i don't know that's interesting yeah. i know i i get i get this little inappropriate vibe like just the way she like makes her undress in front of her i mean maybe it's just maybe it's just more of like you know the the infantilization like keeping her like a child like not giving her her privacy and things like that but i don't know i was like something about it gives me a little bit more of like a dark really dark undertone yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it because I mean that's just <laughs> yeah. a weird dynamic. It's a weird mother-daughter relationship. It's it's too much. It's too invasive, and yeah. and, and you know maybe maybe even if it doesn't mean that you know necessarily she's physically you know abusing her, but maybe just even just the you know with the yeah. mental and emotional abuse that she unknowingly puts on Nina, maybe you know. 
Yeah, who Maybe. knows? Who knows? Oh, God, that's, that's I know. complicated. I know. It's dark. It's scary. This I is know. Sc- you know, this movie isn't really necessarily considered like a horror film, but it is very scary. Like, you know, like, uh, but it's a psychological thriller, which I feel right. is always a subgenre of horror. Sure. Because it is scary. Like it's the whole scary thing. To like lose, to like, to sort of lose your mind like that and be on an uncontrollable spiral where you can't you don't have any grasp of reality anymore about what's real and what's not. That's yeah. terrifying. And you know, that's kind of the the progression of her mental illness is sort of what really intrigues me about this movie. We've already talked about some of it, OCD and schizophrenia, but I think what really, what I really fine-tuned in my viewing this time was seeing her going from, like, OCD, because her mom is obviously OCD, and she's projecting that a lot on her, and because OCD is still something that's uncontrollable, but you know when you're having, when you're being irrational, or, you know, you know that you're you're not right. Like, you know you shouldn't worry about this, but you do anyway. Yeah. But but then after, again, after the pop and the molly, she goes into full schizophrenia, which at that point, you're seeing things, but you, you can't tell yourself that they're not real. And I think even as an audience member watching the film, like you said, you do, those questions do get raised. And so that really helps you get involved in Nina's narrative as right. far as you know is this real or is this not real like she doesn't even know so how do we yeah, know absolutely no that's absolutely true um so what do you what would you say are like some of your favorite moments of this film okay the whole performance Swan Lake oh yes once we get to that point and there's sort of and she's really coming into the black swan and her eyes oh, yeah. change and it's she all has bets that, are off yeah all bets are off and she's having that backstage moment where she's kind of like <sighs> oh she's <sighs> feeling herself mama. she's she feeling is. herself oh, she, feeling she her knows oats. she's doing well <laughs> yes yeah. mama <laughs> um, and, and of course I think that that to the ending is my favorite part so basically like the third you know act of this film but yeah, totally i i would really say like the the most beautiful moment in my eyes is when she's doing that spinning and her arms turn into wings yeah and then she faces the audience and the spotlight is on her and she just cascades those wings behind her and it's yes. just like this beautiful silhouette and then they cut to you know the front of the stage and she's she has that projection of the shadows on either side of her yeah what a beautiful moment oh my god like the filmmaking in this movie alone is just amazing this like this like and even down to just like the the grittiness of the rest of the film (laughs) i mean the whole film is like that but it's like that that handheld sort of feel it makes it so uh oh yes that documentary yeah but it's but yes but it it, it's still stylized and it's still beautifully shot but it's still gritty and dark and cold and uh it's so that's the filmmaking in general of this movie is yeah it it, 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 it plays into that whole you know real like documentaries shot real and then the hyper realism yeah totally like, totally ugh. i i think my i think my favorite things i mean obviously like natalie portman's performance in this is one of my favorite performances ever i think it's equally it, it it's just like heartbreaking and uh that's what i feel about it like i feel so bad for nina this whole movie like because she's yeah. she's incapable of um, 
of grasping reality and I think that to me that's so terrifying and I would say my favorite moment probably acting wise is when she she realized she you know she's just come off the stage um from being the the black swan she thinks she's she thinks she's killed Lily and hidden her body in the closet or in the bathroom or whatever that is yeah 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 and then she gets in there and realizes that none of that is true that the big fight scene that they just had was not real and she looks down and realizes that it's her who has an entire shard of glass in her stomach and she pulls it out and just the, the the heartbreak and she's like just the knowing that she's like done for because there's yeah. you know and just that like she's like crying because she's like holy shit i have stabbed myself i'm bleeding out she i don't know how she's able to sort of get past the pain maybe she's in shock or something and then is able to go and perform the entire final scene as the white swan yeah and um, I don't know, but there's something about her performance in that moment when she pulls the piece of glass out. I'm just like, ugh. You know, you know what? It, you know what? What I with that with that same scene? What it does for me is when she kind of has that moment because because she's feeling so good about her performance. She's gotten rid of all the obstacles. She's totally going for it. Yeah. And then when she does, and then again, yeah, like you said, when she realizes it, her. Her acting, it tells so much about oh my what's going through her mind. So it's ma- like, you can see everything. You can see everything. She's finally achieved perfection, and now she's gone and destroyed it because yeah. she stabbed herself. And she's she realizes that she may not be mentally all there, yeah. and there's so it, much going on yeah. in that moment. It's like, yeah. the confu- like, I think she's been obviously very confused by what the hell's been happening to her, but I think that, that moment, because it's so dire it's so life and death you know it's yeah. it just like it's like almost like a defeated there's like defeat in it there is um just there's so many layers to this in yeah. that moment and it's honestly one of my favorites and one of the things uh, i think ever. about afterward i'm like does nobody notice that large blood stain literally <laughs> but um okay so uh, what is your least favorite mo what is your least favorite thing about this film uh, my least favorite thing about this film, I would, ooh, I don't know. There's it's, not, it's, there's it's not pretty, much. It's pretty close to perfect for me. Um, it is. I, I would say, I don't know. What would you say? <laughs> Mine is really stupid. It's realistic, but it's the production design. Like the set design. Oh, of uh, I, of the like, royal like, ballet or the I like ballet. no, actually I like the theater. I like the backstage of the theater. It's the it's the Tomas apartment. I hate that that <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, everything in this movie is a uh, black and white. Con- the high contrast between black and white and black sure. and white. So on the duality of the two colors. But yeah. um, th- I hate the way his apartment is decorated. And I absolutely <laughs> hate the way Nina's room looks. I hate the way their apartment looks. I hate the living spaces of mm, the characters. I think that they're so god awfully put together. And um, in the behind the scenes featurette on the DVD, there's so much about like the production design and how much Darren Aronofsky loved it. And I'm like, 
are you serious? I'm like, it's a fucking mess. There's so much to look at. And it's like, uh, every, you know, but I, I think the only time we get a break, our eyes get a rest is <laughs> during the ballet scenes and oh my the rehearsals God. and <laughs> with That's the mirrors. Funny. I've never noticed that, but I mean, I love that you did. Next okay. time you see it, it's like the set design. I mean, I know what look they're going for in both Tomas apartment and Nina's apartment, but yeah, I mean, aside from you know achieving a certain type of tone, the overall decoration of it all is just so gaudy and <laughs> horrifying, <laughs> an eyesore. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that's uh, it. That's hilarious. I don't know. I honestly can't think of something that I would say I dislike about yeah, this. The costuming film. is great. The makeup is great. The Oh the yeah, cinematography is beautiful. The directing is awesome. Everything the is mu- the music. Uh, I mean, the, uh, just, it's Tchaikovsky, but it's also you know the 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 whoever did the music for it, and it's just so beautiful. And I don't. I used to listen to this soundtrack while I did homework in in college. Oh, I'm sure this would help you get it done. Yeah, like it's for so. Sure climactic and classical and you know the the vibrations of like dark and light and high and low it's like totally absolutely um (laughs) so my final question is do you think she died in the end um i literally put on my notes like does she die i i would i think so uh, but my hopes are that she doesn't. My hopes right. are that she doesn't, and she gets to realize that, you know, something's not right, and she seeks therapy, and she comes out great, and she's a beautiful dancer in the end of it. <laughs> but right. I, I mean, that's she, possible. I think she's dead. <laughs> I think I already... I think I always assume she died. Um, I watched an interview with Natalie Portman, who strongly does not believe that Nina's dead. So, oh. I don't know. She thinks that... Like she, like I said, she thinks it's... It's her fully realizing her womanhood and her artistry. And now she, yeah, like you said, she may be from here on out. She's, she's the woman that she always needed to be at this point in her life. So. Yeah. And, and I, my, I always have a hope for Nina that, you know, she's getting, now that she is a woman, that she's, you know, able to see the help that she needs seek the help that she needs and and be able to see that she does need help and you know obviously her mother was very neglectful about her mental illnesses and so hopefully you know this will help her realize that she needs to seek help but i i I honestly feel for storytelling it she should be dead but (laughs) right totally well i cannot (laughs) wait for black swan 2 Ah! Just kidding. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes place at a roller skating rink. It's gonna be really beautiful. <laughs> no. What if it? What if it was like? Um, takes place in like November, and they're doing the Nutcracker or something. Oh my god! Yeah, they're like, yeah. Who is going to play the fucking sugar plum fairy? <laughs> <laughs> the little girl, Nina. Sugar, like, pl- sugar plum. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be called. <laughs> That's hilarious. Black Swan 2, Sugar Plum. Yeah. <laughs> Nutcracker. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. One of my favorite lines before we finish our discussion. Um, I, I I love how Winona Ryder says, Did you suck his cock? I always love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, say it again. Your inflection is on point. He almost said you were a frigid little girl. What did you do to get this role? Did you suck his cock? 
<laughs> oh my god! Not all you of us are, have to. You uh, whore! You fucking <laughs> little whore! I love Winona's meltdown. That's the campiest in, in this part of this movie. whole movie. I had to bring it up because it's the campiest part of this whole movie. Anytime Winona's on the screen, it's campy Literally. because her, of her character. You know, the aging starlet who, yeah, <laughs> who is you know kind of drunk because she realizes she's no longer the hot young ingenue. Yeah, oh my I God. love, I love when she's on on the screen. Yeah, um, me too. And honestly, people, I don't think that we should. Her shoplifting fiasco. Get over it. Get over who, it. Who gives like, a what shit? does that have to do with her talent? Nothing. I know. It's, yeah, because, yeah, literally. And she, I'm happy for her that she's come back strong with Stranger Things and that people love Winona again. And I wish yes. her the fucking best. Because, you Absolutely. know what? She, she was a staple of our childhoods and um, she deserves to be treated better. Yes, exactly. Um, um, my favorite quote is when is actually I think Joey quoted it on our post. oh yes uh, is the whole part when she's like what you know what about last night and uh, Mila Kunis as Lily says did you have a Leslie wet dream about me <laughs> <laughs> and then like Nina like you know realizes you know that maybe it wasn't real so she you know flies off <laughs> get it flies <laughs> she's a swan <laughs> and, and uh, Lily says. Was I good? <laughs> <laughs> She's so honestly, she brings the comedy. It's like there's like you know moments of lightheartedness when it, and they're all come from Lily because she's and like honestly, who doesn't want to be Lily in this movie? I know who doesn't want to be the She's black so swan. She's so cool. She's, She's from so, the Bay Area. That's right. She has this like chill, laid back way of being. She has this really insane tattoo on her back that I'm like, oh, uh, how yeah. would how would they ever let a ballerina have that? On stage. <laughs> She's no obviously idea. like not a ballerina. I almost feel like she lied on her resume. I think there's more to Lily's story. <laughs> oh my god, that's the black swan too we need. Yeah, Lily. Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Lily White. Black Swan 2, the alternate. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Understudy. I love Mila Kunis. Yeah, but when she goes, that server gives her her burger and he's like, You got enough cheese on there? And she goes, No, but you do. <laughs> 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 oh, that club scene is very, is is very cool too. That whole it's, like yeah. popping Molly and and it's also I, kind I, of scary too. I know. One thing that I just want to bring up really quick before we go again um, yeah. is that the fact that Nina watches her put the drugs in the drink and yeah, then because- says it only lasts a couple hours, right? And she's like tops, and then she drinks it, and then and then later on is like you drugged me. It's like, yeah, no, I didn't, bitch. I you knew, and you asked, you confirmed that yeah. it only lasts a couple of hours. That's true. That's true. Yeah, she can't be, she's not completely at fault. She was up front with her about it. Yeah. So, you I don't whore. know. You whore. You little fucking whore. <laughs> I, I have to say to everybody on that listens to you, if you're the Talking Queers, that Jake's ability <laughs> to perfect, to, and to unknowingly and without trying, perfect an inflection in someone's voice <laughs> is absolutely a, a talent that I think you need to tap into more. You should I'll, do cartoon voices. I'm going to explore it. I will all explore it for you. <laughs> you could do a whole stand-up routine as like Meryl. Oh my God. And Winona. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, yeah. I'm going to be huge. We're going on the road. 
<laughs> All right, everybody. Well, let's wrap this one up really quickly. Hey, look, subscribe to our Instagram at fearthetalkingqueers.com. Uh, send us an email, fearthetalkingqueers at gmail.com. Go to our fucking Patreon. Come on. I know you yeah. want to. Uh, yes. Patreon.com slash fearthetalkingqueers. And uh, visit our website, fearthetalkingqueers.com. Yes, there's so much to look forward to. And honestly, we just announced on our on our Instagram that Patreon will be Ingrid Goes West starring Aubrey Plaza. Yes. yes. So good. If you have not seen it, watch it. Black Christmas, all three of them. Woo! Yeah, ooh, I know. I'm I know. And then, of course, our horror commentary of the month will be Scream 4. So there's a lot to look forward to for yes. December. Yes, so exciting. So make sure you tune in for all those amazing things. Check us out. Send us a message. Um, we love you all. Yeah, and honestly, if you're still listening uh, an hour and 45 minutes into this episode, <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We love you. <laughs> yes, be your own black swan. <laughs> right. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye.